Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Christian Johnson. And I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. Each episode considers the challenges companies and economies are facing and the opportunities leaders can seize for competitive advantage. We'll look at how to increase performance and connect boardroom strategy to the front line, where and when to infuse operations with technology, and why empowering the workforce with capabilities is key to success. So, Daphne, it's been a year now since we launched McKinsey Talks Operations, and a lot has changed during that time. That's right, Christian. When we launched, we were still in the midst of the Omicron wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. And since then, we've had the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and ongoing impacts in the form of inflation, energy price hikes and continuing supply chain challenges. And recent tech industry announcements notwithstanding, there's still a lot to be said around workforce availability and skills gaps. Plus, the effects of climate change are becoming so much more evident as well. In short, I think we can both agree it's been a complex backdrop. Mm, It's certainly a complexity that's given us a lot to talk about. And we've been lucky enough to be able to bring together the right folks to talk about it with. Experts from McKinsey and from industry who are deep across the entire range of these challenges. We're able to explain why they're important and how business leaders are dealing with them. That's right. And now that we're almost at the end of the year, it seems like a good time to remind ourselves of some of the highlights of the past 12 months. And you and I have agreed, I think, there are really five core themes that our guests have covered. So resilience, people, digital, sustainability, and the implications from inflation. What a lineup of topics. Let's start where we began our journey, with resilience. Yeah, let's go back to that very first episode where we were looking at supply chain risk. I mean, before the pandemic, not many people really thought about supply chains. But as COVID progressed, everyone started talking about them and leaders started to recognize their strategic vulnerability. Here's supply chain expert and McKinsey partner Knut Alika talking about how our thinking about supply chains has changed. If we look back, it was a function that was only recognized if something went wrong. You had an availability problem. You had a customer calling, hey, where's my stuff? And then, hey, supply chain, where's the stuff? Why did you not deliver on time? And um, now um, in the pandemic and also other disruptions, clearly a lot of things went wrong. And uh, they had to manage this massive disruption. If you think about um, what happened over the last one and a half years, um, we, we had pretty good supply of food and other stuff, right? So the supply chain did work, right? But for a lot of companies, um, it meant also that, hey, we, we, have, we really struggle with, uh, with inbound, we struggle with our own uh, sites, we struggle with distribution. So we, we really need to kind of step up and make sure that um, the supply chain is flowing, right? So we can deliver to our, to our customers. And um, what you said earlier is exactly right. It made it to the boardroom. So we, for example, helped a couple of clients to implement business continuity management and with, with one client, it was quite interesting that the CEO, who never talked about supply chain before, even addressed this in his investor presentation for two times in a row. There is also the attention that, hey, it's not only a function that is visible when something goes wrong, but it can really help us to be better. 
That's a great clip to get us started. We'll also be hearing more from Knut in a next episode coming up in 2023, where he will discuss his new book, From Source to Sold. You'll be hearing about supply chain heroes, their rigorous business insights, and how to bring value to your organization and make global supply chains a resilient place to be. Yeah, looking forward to that. The book has some really great stories from the trenches of the type that back in episode one, we got from Airbus's Sebastian Peters, who gave us some great insight on the new digital skills the workforce is going to need. Let's give it a listen. There's obviously a shift of of skills, uh, new needed skills, um, where before um, supply chain uh, capability for sure was connecting the dots in the company to understand the sales perspective and as well the production perspective, because that is the core of, of any kind of supply chain is the SNOP, sales and operations planning. But obviously nowadays, um, with the high uh, input of, of digital needs, to you need to understand coding. Uh, if you would like uh, to to know what is the right tool and to translate it through the needed process perspective, software coding is a skill which is needed. That leads us really nicely into the next couple of clips on the importance in any transformation of focusing on the workforce. It's a recurring theme we've heard throughout the year, and in our episode, The Fourth Industrial Revolution Will Be People-Powered, David Geckler from Western Digital sets it out nicely. So keeping people at the center is uh, actually pretty straightforward because people are the number one priority in our operations. I mean, we work in a very dynamic market, very dynamic environment, and we know that our teams are in the skill of our teams is really what's going to define our success in the future. So keeping them at the center is critical. And it's not just the operations team, it's everybody in the company. We have over 60,000 employees from the people in operations all the way to the executive team and everybody is involved and behind this exciting effort. So um, really keeping our people, reskilling our people, building that future ready workforce is what's critical for us, but also our employees. I think, you know, any time in life when you learn new skills, when you educate yourself, uh, I think you have the opportunity to live a better life. It's not just about our company being better and us being prepared for the future. It's about all of our employees being ready for that future. So keeping them at the center, having them highly engaged, all of the reskilling, getting them excited about what the future holds, you know, change is opportunity for everybody. So I think we look at it through that lens. It's not as if change is a threat, it's just the opposite. So keeping our our employees engaged, and they've been the ones leading this. It's not been, you know, this isn't some kind of executive mandate. It's the employees leading it, pulling the company to it, keeping them all deeply engaged, I think, keeps them directly at the center of what we're doing. And as I said, having our employees fully engaged, really building that future-ready workforce is going to be what defines the success of Western Digital. Great to hear that insight there from a member of the Global Lighthouse Network. And in our episode featuring Gigi Phillips from the Coca-Cola Company, we heard about not just the importance of engaging your workforce, but working harder to keep them building their skills. The um, broad range of digital technologies that we're seeking to adopt as part of the transformation will fundamentally change the way we work, right? So a significant number of existing roles in CPS will require new knowledge and new skills, and several new roles with competencies that we don't currently have will also need to be created. 
We're seeking to bridge the skills gap and, and deliver the workforce diversity that's needed to tackle the challenges ahead, primarily through uh, reskilling, right, and, and um, through the Digital Academy initiative. And, and this decision is, is really not only driven by the current talent shortage that's really making it very, very difficult to hire you know, new, new talent, but also because uh, reskilling contributes to the, the learning culture that we're trying to uh, build in, in the organization. And this you know, culture of continuous uh, learning can pay dividends on, on the employee uh, front. And, and reskilling also makes financial sense because it's obviously cheaper to uh, reskill current employees than, than hire a new ones. So primary focus is, is on reskilling, but we are also bringing in new talent with skills that uh, we need for, for future that we don't currently have. David and Gigi's talk about the need to build digital skills links pretty nicely to a couple of episodes I've hosted on the topic of digital twins. Now, that's a phrase that's coming up more and more in our episodes, even when the immediate focus may be elsewhere. And I feel like we have a better sense now of what a digital twin is, thanks mainly to the way Kim Borden and Anna Harold explained it in that first digital twin episode. A digital twin is actually a digital representation of a physical object. Um, and we always look at it in its environment, right? And it's important that you basically link it with the real data sources from the environment and be, are able to basically update it in real time. And Kimberly, can you say a little bit about the types of digital twins available? There are common archetypes of digital twins. For example, there's a product twin, which is a representation of the product. There is a production plant twin, which could be a representation of the entire manufacturing facility. And there is a procurement and supply chain twin, often called a network twin. Finally, there's sometimes an infrastructure twin. For a product twin, this can encompass various parts of the product life cycle, all the way from the initial concept design and engineering through to services meaning that as the product is functioning in service, you are getting live real-time data on it. An everyday example would be Google Maps, which is a digital twin of the Earth's surface. It then links real-time data on traffic to optimize your driving routes. That's a very simplistic version of a digital twin. That was such a great introduction to the topic. Kim and Anna broke it all down beautifully, and we heard more about the use of digital twins in our very recent episode on electric vehicle batteries. That illustrates the green revolution happening across the world, doesn't it, with electric vehicles leading the way. And of course, EVs need batteries to power them, a lot of batteries, gigafactories worth. Let's jump into the episode with our guest Stefano Piscitelli, Vice President of Group Construction at Northvolt, and our very own McKinsey colleagues, Evan Horetsky and Mark Bakker, talking about the importance of digital twins in complex operations. There's a point in which I, I think it's quite obvious that you need a very well thought out and very lean digital backbone to control all of this. And honestly, there's also been for 20, 40 years, a talk of industry 4.0, digital twin, factor of the future kind of buzzword. But what does this really mean? This really means for battery manufacturing, you need an idea of how you put into a database the exact characteristics of the equipment and the changes to your equipment that you're putting in this factory. 
And then you use this, this model or this, this compendium of information about your factory equipment, what's really important, the things that make the cells. And you use that to connect to each of your other design and planning efforts. How many pipes do you need to connect for this equipment to turn on? How big should the beams be on the structure for this? It's very important to get the first thing right, this equipment simulation, and early on, maybe two, three years before you need to start up the factory and then build off of that. Christian, that was such a fascinating conversation. Once gigafactories are operating, there's an opportunity to limit environmental impact. Stefano does a great job touching on this. Let's listen in. This uh, requires a tremendous amount of energy to produce batteries. And if you end up taking that energy from coal or fossil fuel, then actually you're not that green after all. The key revolution is to ensure that you use renewable to feed your gigafactory. And this is actually one of the main points that we have been pursuing quite hard. Where do we find energy that is renewable and in that amount? Well, there are not many sites. We managed to secure one the north of Sweden, but Sweden is pretty, especially the north, is pretty rich of uh, wind and hydro plant. That cuts to the core, doesn't it? In most of the world, access to large, stable supplies of renewable energy is still a huge challenge. And the need to push for better sustainability has never been greater. Worth a re-listen to one of our earlier episodes on sustainability, where John Revis, Director of Net Zero Transformation at the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, got the conversation going. It's really encouraging to see that shift in focus, right, John? Can you give some examples of some of the innovations that companies are now talking about when it comes to decarbonisation? So innovation is definitely part of it. But the the innovation is coming because companies and the conversation has moved from why we need to engage in exactly, as you say, how do we operationalise this? Um, The commitments that society expects leadership to take. So in this decade of action, it's really imperative that every company deals with its impact on climate change, biodiversity loss, and mounting inequality. And these actions will anticipate and connect with our customer demand. And regulations are being put in place in capital markets that are using this ESG information to actually allocate their, their capital. And innovation cycle is right at the heart of that. Now, in the same episode, Daphne, you spoke with McKinsey partner Ruth Hoos about the role of operations in answering that call to action. Ruth, I wanted to kind of come back to you. This particular podcast channel is um, really addressing an audience of operations leaders. And, you know, we often talk about the importance of making the connection between the board vision and the front line. And, you know, we've talked about how, you know, CEOs and leadership teams have been setting bold aspirations and visions. But really, it's, it's in the operations that we make these things happen, right? What role do you see for people who have roles, leadership roles in operations today? So Peter already perfectly spoke about what uh, role of operations will actually play in this transition. Yeah, So we heard him speak about companies buying green materials. So the purchasing function will uh, play a huge role, especially for those uh, sectors that buy things and then process it along the way before they resell it, uh, mainly consumer goods and uh, automotive. But obviously also in many other 
industries, manufacturing will play a key role. Yeah, For example, in pharmaceuticals, in chemicals, yeah? um, there's all kinds of processes that need to be decarbonized. So that is another angle. And not to forget uh, one important piece, yeah? we will see a huge capex wave coming over us. Yeah? So investments which are needed for building all those decarbonized supply chains and operations for battery plants, as Peter explained. And the the cheaper we can actually build this uh, green infrastructure the cheaper or the transition also is yeah and the faster it can get done yeah so i think there's a huge demand for for operations in terms of cost reduction for the transition but also in speeding up for the transition if you just think about we need to build 10 times more the capacity in solar and wind every year than we did before yeah so how should that go if the operations folks don't really speed up their processes in that time so it does really feel like there's a positive movement in terms of people development to fill the skills gap a focus on sustainability and the power of digital and analytics to solve complex problems however we can't ignore the big elephant in the room from the past 12 months the impact inflation has had Absolutely. Probably the biggest immediate problem facing most businesses around the world today is inflation. We had a great discussion in our episode, Inflation Fighter and Value Creator, Procurement's Best Kept Secret. That's right, Christian. We were lucky enough to have Craig Reed, former Vice President and Chief Procurement Officer at Corteva AgriScience, discuss how companies can gain momentum and stabilize to deliver value. In this current environment, you need clear transparency from beginning to end to be able to perform. So much volatility, unpredictability, and challenges, as Marta mentioned, is extremely important to enable the organization to be able to manage the situations that are occurring across this entire continuum. And this resiliency discussion is probably the most significant one now because all companies are taking a fresh look at what does it mean to be resilient. You know, in the past, you know, you were driving for productivity and you were doing that on a global market that had some level of stability and predictability. Now that that's continuing to change, we really have to rethink what does the definition of resiliency mean for you and your company from a supply chain standpoint. So reevaluating that is also strategically important right now. So everything we've described so far adds up to an end-to-end operational resilience strategy, right? That's what enables an organization to respond and adapt in this sort of environment. Resiliency is still key, and it's a great note to end our show on. And as difficult as this year was, it was also a great year full of genuinely inspiring conversations to help leaders navigate through the uncertainty and build resilient operations. Christian, I'm excited to see what next year brings. Already well in the works. We have some great conversations planned on insulating from inflation, decarbonizing operations, winning talent, gaining digital speed, enhancing resiliency, the imperative for excellence in capital projects, and much more. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Christian Johnson. And me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 